0: where my handle is at turkey hitman and i will be sure to follow you back and now for this week's show hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the turkey hunter podcast with me your host andy galliano and i am extremely excited about our episode this week we have trent masterson who's very involved with the national trappers association He and his wife both are very involved with the association. In fact, his wife Tamara is the convention coordinator for the National Trappers Association. And I met Trent at the Wild Turkey Federation banquet back in February in Nashville and chatted with him a little bit then and grabbed his contact info and I finally called him and asked him to join us to tell us a little bit about how we can trap the predators that call turkey's dinner just like we do and increase our turkey population on our hunting property so without further ado here is trent masterson hello everybody welcome back to this week's episode of the turkey hunter podcast and with me this week i have a special guest who's agreed to let me interview him his name is trent masterson and trent is an expert at trapping. And what I want to talk about today with Trent is how we can improve the turkey population on our hunting lease or hunting property by trapping turkey predators. That would be nest predators and both the adult and pulp predators as well. So welcome Trent. Thank you very much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us and I'm really looking forward to the interview as I Mentioned to you off the recording, I am pretty well ignorant when it comes to trapping. Yeah, I have minimal experience myself trapping coons. I bought a couple of squeeze hold traps. I guess that's the right terminology to trap some raccoons just to play around with, and um, actually trapped one on my boat dock down at a little piece of property that I own that's that's on a little private lake because he was getting into my fish feeder, and you know trapped a couple at my, my hunting lease mm-hmm. just. Again, just messing around, nothing serious. But I'm probably like most of the people listening to this podcast, I'm very interested in doing what I can do to help protect my turkey population so that I have as many as I can, uh, as many turkeys as I can on the property. And I know it's an uphill battle because when you get rid of one raccoon or you get rid of one coyote, it's not long before another one's going to replace it, but mm-hmm. I feel like if we keep one nest from getting destroyed by setting a trap and trapping a raccoon or a possum, or we keep one poult from getting killed by a coyote or a bobcat, then that's one more turkey we'll have, and to me, it would be worth it just for that. Sure. So, you know, I, I appreciate you taking the time, and tell us a little bit about yourself. What part of the country are you in, and really, how did, how did you get to this point, kind of in a nutshell.
1: Okay, well, thanks first, Andy, for the introduction. And uh, I live in southeastern Michigan. My wife actually, let me get started with that. How, how we met is uh, through the National Wild Chicken Federation at the, the convention in, oh, cool. uh, in Nashville. So, uh, you know, that was great. And that'll get uh, kind of get me started in, in how, you know, why we were there. My wife is actually the convention coordinator for the National Trappers Association. So she she gets to travel around the country myself with her sometimes and set up our conventions for the national trappers. And um, awesome. the reason they chose us to, to represent the NTA at the uh, NWTF convention was because we are avid, avid turkey hunters. I've been a turkey hunting guide. There isn't any other critter I'd rather chase in the woods. You know, give me a <laughs> big, big strut and gobbler coming through the woods. And, and I, I'd take that over any 170-inch buck ever. Um, I just really, really enjoy hunting wild turkeys. It's, it's just something that I've, you know, done it, uh, traveled all over the country doing it, and, you know, I just I just absolutely love it, and my wife does it with me. As far as getting into the trapping, you know, I've been trapping. I've, I was blessed to grow up in an area here in southern Michigan where there's a lot of creeks and ponds and uh, swamps and a uh, really good trapping area, a lot of water here. And so we had a lot of, you know, we didn't have a lot of beaver when I was growing up, but there were some. We had, uh, you know, and the populations change of animals over the, over the years, you know. I mean, everybody needs yeah. to see the influx of coyotes coming in. And we used to have a lot of fox, and I, you know, trapped fox when I was younger. But what I, what I first started trapping uh, was muskrat. They're, you know, they're oh, cool. everywhere around here. There's quite a few of them. And back then, you know, heck, if we got $1.50 for them. It was great. I remember being at the fur bars one time and him and, and buying them for $5 a piece. And I thought it was just unbelievable that, you know, they get $5 for a muskrat. And then I have an uncle who lives in Northern Indiana. And when he retired from the shop, he used to trap quite a bit. And I remember riding, riding along with him. That was the first real serious trapper that I ever rode along with. And I learned a lot of really good lessons from him, my uncle Fred Mitten in, in Northern Indiana. I and mean, he's passed now, but I still look back on those days a few times that I did get to go with him and, and, the way that he trapped in comparison to how I trapped as a, as a youngster really taught me the way a, an expert trapper, how an expert trapper traps, you know, and uh, right. it's, it's using a, a real simple, basic set that you're really good at and then just repeating it over and over and over again and setting as many traps as you possibly can in a day's time and checking as many in a day's time as you can. It's simple math. and I learned from him that concept and it's really kind of, you know, carried on and, and, I've, and I've learned more and more about that. And, and saw other professional trappers do the same thing. And, you know, that's, that's kind of my basic background on, you know, how I got started.
0: Yeah. So then really it's, it's one of those things that, you know, you're, you're looking at strength in numbers as well as kind of refining your technique. You, yeah. you want to yeah. set as many traps as you can to, to get as yeah. many predators yeah. as you can.
1: You got it. Exactly. Um, if like, if, if you were to hire a professional to come and trap on your ranch, um, different than how a, uh, you know, someone that is there, maybe one of the guys that are, you know, one of your hunting buddies on your, on your lease, they might go out and set 12 sets. You know, I, I, I I trap and I trap with guys who, you know, we'll run if We're doing serious management. We may run three, 200 to 400 traps in a day.
0: Good gosh. Wow. and
1: um you know numbers of you know and, and we usually it's a head count kind of deal and really good guys you know uh nest predators say skunks possums you know raccoons everything you may be 50 60 animals a day that you're yeah. removing from you know a, a good sized piece of property you know you're and, and the whole idea when we're there is to knock down that nest predator population as best we can in the two weeks or week that we're there so we want to get in there you know, they don't have a, they don't have any idea that we're coming and we get in there and really just hit them hard and, and, uh, kind of knock the population down as best we can. And, and yeah. that's, that, that would be the, the biggest difference. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't know, I don't expect some, somebody that uh, isn't, you know, do, isn't doing it basically as a profession to have 400 traps even set, you know, and there is ways, you know, where you can work around a work schedule and, 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 be able to run enough traps fast to make a big dent in the population
0: when you come in as a as a professional trapper Mm -hmm. like you said you're there for a week or two weeks Mm -hmm. but being able to to take an hour or hour and a half on your own property or your hunting lease and doing that over a period of months or even a year solid you're you're going to make a pretty good dent in the Oh, that, about doing absolutely.
1: An absolutely. And then Maybe. learning, grasping the idea of if you have a simple basic set that you can set really fast and say you have a machine that you can load with traps and, and if you could run, you know, I don't know, 25 traps in, in an hour, instead of having one or two or three and going out and catching a raccoon here or a raccoon there, believe it or not, these, these critters are, can, go can, wise up to you pretty quick. Case in point, setting uh, feeders. When, when I set feeders, a lot of times I'll see trail cams, pictures of raccoons on a feeder, and there'll be a family of 8, 10, 12 raccoons using that particular feeder, or maybe it's two family groups. Um, mm-hmm. How they're doing this, I don't really know. I just know from past experience that if you don't catch the bulk of them in the first night or two, they're going to get wise to you, and they're not going to come to that feeder for a while. You, wow. you, you, snap, you just take one trap and you set it at that feeder where there's 10 raccoons. Don't expect to catch a raccoon every night for 10 nights. Now, I'm not saying that's not possible. I'm sure it's possible. But what I've found in the past is that if I, if I come to set a feeder, I want a, I want a really good idea how many raccoons are coming to that feeder, and then I want to set, you know, more traps than I believe animals are coming there at that okay. individual feeder. And I try to knock them out as fast as I possibly can because I don't want those ones getting wise and not coming back. For a week or two, and then I'm gone, you know, down the road. But if it's if it's right. even if it's you doing it, you know, uh, you know, I would recommend if you see eight raccoons on a feeder, t- set ten or twelve traps there. It's pretty okay. quick. It's quick to drive up there, and it's 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 pretty neat to see that you you know caught six raccoons in one at one feeder at one set, the one check, you know. I mean, yeah. and, and you know that's it, and that's pretty possible with today's equipment.
0: That's pretty cool. So if you're using a feeder to get them in there, are you? either limiting the amount of feed that's being thrown when you set the traps up, that's coming out of the feeder so that they're more inclined to go to your traps or would they just be more inclined to go to the traps cause you're offering them something better than say yeah. corn? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm,
1: I'm giving them something that's better than corn. And a lot of times what I'll do is I'll actually try to find the trails leading to the feeder and I'll spread my traps out in a hub you know, around that feeder, you, you know, generally the deer and turkeys and everything else that's coming, hogs and stuff that are coming to that feeder, they're going to be down pathways to that feeder. Raccoons are using those same paths most of the time. And if you can set, you know, say there's, you know, a you know, hub of t- paths leading away from it, if you can set those paths leading to it and then set a few traps around the feeder. You, you really, what we call gang set as a trapper, mm-hmm. you can really pick up those animals a lot faster. Get, not educate, I guess is the, is the word the ones that don't get caught and uh, the, most, right. the uh, most effective way to catch one ra- or the most effective attractor to want to a raccoon is another raccoon in a trap one gets caught and the other ones are curious what's what's going on what, what's happening over there and if you watch on uh, you know much video trail cam footage um, one raccoon gets caught in a trap and the other raccoons you know it's his litter mates or his mom or whatever will approach him and kind of check him out and see what's see what's there they don't seem spooked oh, wow. by it. You know, they don't seem afraid of it. Um, no. They're just curious of what, what's going on. Why isn't, you know, why are you struggling right in that one spot kind of thing?
0: Yeah. Uh, that, that's pretty interesting. I, I just assumed that, you know, they would you know try to get out of there and you know, that they'd yeah. be pretty, pretty scared by that. That's, that's pretty neat. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, I, I know there's a ton of different types of traps, um, but, Can you kind of give me a general overview of the different types of traps and which traps would be you know maybe a little bit better suited for um and adult adult turkey predators or Mm -hmm. um nest predators right right i'm assuming you're going to use different types of traps for those
1: absolutely i would say the first trap you want to i would i would lean you toward as far as raccoons skunks and possums is dog proof traps they're not as effective on skunks as they are on possums and raccoons but they do they will catch skunks mm-hmm. that is a great way and then you, also a lot of you had, a lot of these leases are you know guys are hunting with dogs or there are dogs on the leases and you pretty much eliminate that factor of of catching a non-target you know catching a dog uh, using the dog proof trap they're very easy to set and they're extremely effective i mean even when i fur trap raccoon trap my number one go-to trap is a dog proof trap i can set it in places i normally wouldn't set say, like a body grip trap, which is a, a killer trap, you know, and I, I would never want to set one of those around where I may catch a dog, you know. So I would I would lean initially probably toward the, the dog-proof traps and then maybe even cage traps. Cage traps are, are effective. They're, they're, you know, kind of leading back to where I was earlier. You want to set as many traps as you can, and if you only have so, many, so much space on your four-wheeler or, you know, you know, UTV that you're using right. – you can only carry so many cage traps with you where you right. could dump 50 dog proofs and some stakes in the back of a UTV and, you know, head off down the road real easily where there's no possible way you're going to do that with cage traps. So um, that's why, another reason I would lean toward the, the dog proofs. If you're in an area where you don't have problems with dogs, now, one thing about a dog proof trap is it's going to hold the animal alive. It doesn't dispatch the animal. It's not going to kill it. The other trap that I would I would maybe lean toward is a body grip trap. It's a killer trap, uh, and for that size of animals, you know, 160s or 220 styles, 220, uh, which is the size of the trap, it's, it, it, uh, it's a number denomination, letting you know how wide the jaws are of the trap. So a 220 size is a great size for, like, raccoon, skunk, and, and possum. And basically what you're trying to do with that is to get the animal to walk, stick its head in the trap or walk through the trap, and either you can like, put it in a bucket and put bait in the back of the bucket or you can just put it blind in this trail where he would walk down the trail and just want to brush it in on the side and make you walk through the trap. Oh! Okay. nice thing about those is it actually dispatches the animal. You know, you don't have to worry about an animal there, you know, with his foot in a trap and it's 90 degrees out. And, you know, you, you don't want to be, the last thing I want is want to die from exhaustion or something like that. So right. I'd rather, do, you know, do it humanely.
0: Yeah, and the, the goal is, is to get rid of these predators, but, you know, it's just like you said, you don't want them suffering. Right, Uh, exactly. To to do that, I mean, uh, not what you're after. So, okay, Mm -hmm. so you'd say first a dog proof trap and second a body grip trap for your nest predators. How about Mm -hmm. like your larger predators, your foxes, your coyotes, bobcats, that kind of thing?
1: Yeah, yeah. Then you're almost never going to get one of those predators to step in an exposed trap. It, you know it, it happens you can do it you can, you could possibly catch a you know a coyote or a fox or a bobcat in a you know in exposed like a body grip trap or a trap like that but what you're going to want to use in those in this that instance is a, a foot grip trap foothold trap we call them the ones that i lean toward and there's a lot of different ones out there i, I prefer a coil spring trap there's some great long spring traps and that that's just denotes note t- the style of the spring Without getting into you know a lot of detail on those traps, which that you know that be for another day. There, there's a lot of different things we do to the traps again to make them very humane, very easy on the animal. Because a lot of guys that I know, when they when they travel and trap, you know they'll actually catch the coyotes and they'll sell them to the live market. And so guys with with their hound their hound dogs that run a coyote, yeah. they want a live coyote to train their their hounds with. And so they're using a trap that they don't want to harm the animal because they want that coyote to be able to run on all four legs. So they're going to use a trap that isn't going to harm the animal at all, so he has no damage to his foot. So they're going to actually trap trap the animal, you know, cage it, shoot it with all its shots just like a veterinarian would, and take the animal and, and, and sell, sell a coyote, call it the live market. So you're going to lean more toward traps that are, you know, foot-friendly, I could say.
0: Right. Well, that's interesting. I I never thought there'd be much of a live market, but I guess you had, you do have to train these animals, you know, these hounds somehow, mm-hmm. don't you? Yeah. That's pretty neat. All right, so we've got different types of traps for different types of predators. Again, if we're looking at nest predators, okay. really what would be the best type of bait? And I'm sure there's hundreds of baits that we could use, but just, you know, again something real general that works real well.
1: There are. And I will, I will plug something that I developed, I guess, right off the bat, get it out of the way. Uh, okay. I, I developed a bait for dog-proof traps when dog-proof traps were fairly new in the industry. Um, I developed a bait specifically for dog-proof traps. I have recently sold that bait about a year ago to a uh, mm-hmm. Sterling Fur Company, a very reputable wholesale dealer um, in the trapping industry. Um, and they make it exclusively. I also had a video that I produced along with that, kind of showing you how to, to raccoon trap because it's a rat, you know dog proof trap, so they're raccoon trap, and it was called it's called truckload coon bait. That was something that I developed for that um, specifically for dog proof traps. So that being said, there's a lot of commercial dog proof trap DP baits on the market today. There's a lot of great ones. You know, I, I don't have anything invested in that particular bait anymore. It's just what I use, and I still use it. It works great for me. Now there are you, the the commercial baits are nice. The reason I like commercial baits and especially with DPS is a professional that understands lure and bait making is making this so it one tastes good to the animal and that's really key with a dog proof trap because what you want him to do is you actually want him to eat the bait, get some of it in his mouth, eat it. It tastes good to him and they're going to reach down to the bottom of the tube and they're going to pull the trigger at the bottom of the tube, trying to get the rest of the bait out of the bottom of the trap. So if it doesn't taste okay. good to them, it, the raccoon's not going to continue eating the bait. And then they also preserve it correctly. So it you can just take a gallon of it or whatever, and throw it in your truck, and don't worry about it. Uh, maybe over the summer season, when you're not trapping, throw it in a refrigerator or throw it in your, you know, throw it in a freezer. If not, just pick you some more up, you know, the beginning of next season. And most of these baits don't go bad from year to year even. You know, I've had baits that are, Okay. year year old and they still stir them up good once the season starts and just keep catching coon with them. But don't, don't think you have to buy a commercial bait either because you can use a lot of stuff that's just, you can purchase it at a grocery store and make it up yourself. Yeah. Expect if it has any kind of a water base to it, uh, you know, mold's going to grow. Um, it's not going to have bacteria stats in it and it's not going to have things to, to stop, you know, rotting and, and molding. Right. So if you're in a warmer climate, that those are things to kind of think about if you're making baits. Um, but, you know, when I was developing this bait, I actually was at one of the big box stores and they had a ice cream toppings on a rack for 99 cents, big containers of ice cream toppings. And I took a bunch of cat food and butterscotch ice cream topping and dumped some cat food in my trap and squeezed that butterscotch on top. And, man, mm. I caught coming like crazy with that, you know. It worked great. Yeah. The ants love it, too. But if you're around a lot of fire ants, they'll, they'll take off with it. But uh, that stuff works. I mean, you can you can make homemade baits and and They they
0: work fantastic. Do you you mention something that I've never thought about, and that's you know ants getting in the bait? Do the commercial baits, the majority of those, are are they pretty well ant proof? I mean, an ant will eat just about anything. But yeah, no,
1: they're not. They're not. It doesn't matter. um, And and and, you know we talk about predator baits too, and that's the other thing is a lot of the sets we use is if you dig a hole in the ground and put the bait in the bottom of a hole, well, if you're around a lot of fire ants, don't expect to have any bait left when you get back because they they will eat it. They will they will eat anything, and if it's going to taste right. good, the animal's got to have, you know, some kind of sweeteners in it or something that's going to taste good to them, fish or things like that, and you get around fire ants, or just try to avoid them as best you can, and you got to refresh your bait a lot. It's just hard of dealing with ants.
0: And now, is it hard to clean the bait out of the, the bottom of the dog-proof traps?
1: Yeah, uh, and something that I learned from when I started doing, it, I would just spray paint my traps. And um, I took my old, I wax and dye, or I wax, I don't dye my coyote fox traps. And I use clean wax every year for my, my coyote fox traps. And the old stuff, I put in, I keep it separate, and then I wax all my dog proofs at the beginning of the year. What it does is kind of put, puts a protective coating on them. Uh, animals are really hard on you invest a lot of money in purchasing those traps so you want to protect them protect your investment and the raccoons are notoriously hard on the trap they're going to chew on the trap and, and wear the finish off it one thing that's nice about that wax once you get it inside that tube is anything that's in there at the end of the year you usually i just take it down to local power wash i back my truck in there i dump my tubs out on the floor and i take the power washer with soap and i just spray them all out and that stuff usually just cleans right out of there uh, especially okay. if you've got a good color of wax on.
0: That's a great tip. I know, those, like you said, you want to take care of those traps. So otherwise, mm-hmm. they'll get rusted on you and you'll end up buying new ones.
1: Right, right.
0: That is the end of part one of my interview with Trent Masterson with the National Trappers Association. If you want some information about the association, you can go to their website at www.nationaltrappers.com. That's www.nationaltrappers.com. Please tune in next week as Trent gives us information on the best time of year to trap for turkey predators, the best time of day to set your traps, and he talks to us about scent control as well. Thanks again for tuning in this week. We know that you have choices and we appreciate you spending some time with us. Have a great week. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to